I am Stephen James Peterson, and this is the Raven Rising Podcast. Today's guest, Matt Gagnon. Man, I don't even know where to start with him. Quick background. He just was on the Unlearn podcast, and he was also just on Forbes doing a video for them. He is all over the place. So if you don't know who he is yet, check him out here today and definitely find him. Matt Gagnon is our guest today. Mr. Matt Gagnon, welcome back. <laughs> Sorry yes. about that. No worries. You know what? I think it was something on my end, too, because the whole app went wonky on my yeah. end, too. So I, I don't think it was you. I'll have to tease Anchor about that later. Yeah. Hey, Matt, welcome very much. Welcome to the Raven Rising podcast. Thank you very much for coming in. Hey, so you get to go any direction you want to while you're on here with me. Um, I did just see your unlearning episode video that you did for Forbes so you're all over the place this week <laughs> yeah that that sounds about right so let's start with this why don't you let sorry you broke up sorry about that why don't we start with this let people know who you are who is Matt oh, Gagnon? Boy. Who is Matt Gagnon? Well, I am originally from Maine. I grew up there, uh, born and raised. That's where I met my wife. Uh, and I moved to Austin, Texas uh, 12 years ago. And uh, this is really what I consider, you know, Maine will always be home, but this is pretty much my second home now. Uh, and who I am is you know, really been established over the past few years where I've become very comfortable in my identity and who I, and who I am. I guess that's just part of being in your thirties too. You start getting more comfortable with yourself. Um, but who I am is somebody who really believes in a values-based life. You know, I truly believe that we all have, you know, three to five, you know, core values in our lives, you know, things that fill our tanks, fuel us, and they bring out the best in who we are. But the problem is, and the problem that I've lived through too, is that most people are living lives with values that are defined by others. And, you know, that's the life I lived for many years. So nowadays, you know, my values really, you know, stem from, you know, uh, music. Music is a big value of mine that, you know, pours a lot into my own life, uh, brings out the best of my creativity, uh, allows me to express my emotions. Uh, I have a strong value in faith, you know, truly believing in something bigger than myself, uh, you know, having a, a belief in a higher power, having a belief in God uh, has been probably one of the biggest, you know, values in my life. It's everything to me. Uh, I have a value around uh, family, you know, time with my wife, time with my son, uh, you know, value around uh, inner circle, my friends, uh, and my community, you know, so uh, those types of things. And I have a massive value around serving others. Um, I have a strong belief that all the experiences that I've had in life, you know, I was built to thrive through those situations so I could help serve other people. Uh, so those are some of the things that I truly believe in that, that make up who I am. And, uh, you know, my whole life purpose statement that I, I've shared with people comes down to this courageous heart 
idea. And that's what I believe is living with a courageous heart. Living with a courageous heart is somebody who lives a life that's aligned with their values. And that's what I long to help people, you know, figure out is living a life that aligns with their values. Nice. Nice. So we were introduced to each other by Mr. Yeah, Tim Michael. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah. He's a character. I love him very much. Um, and at that point I started kind of diving more into the content that you're producing and seeing where you're, you know, getting out there. And like I said, you are all over the place. I find you, you know, absolutely on Facebook. I find you on LinkedIn. And then today you had the unlearned crew dumped out a video with you in it. And then Forbes also released a video with you so i mean like you're crushing it on the scene <laughs> thanks man you know <laughs> you know thank goodness for like programs like hootsuite that make me look like i'm everywhere at once um you know but uh <laughs> but thanks you know what honestly that it feels good to hear that because you know really this is a dream come true um to be doing the type of work i'm doing to be doing the interviews to be on podcasts like this to be sharing the message that i have the things that i'm passionate about this is literally a dream come true and it's worth the journey. It's been worth the struggle. Uh, I'm loving this. So let's dive into this then. A, a lot of the people that listen to this are new entrepreneurs or they're thinking about getting into the entrepreneur world. And so I've had Marcus Aurelius Anderson on here before you. Tim Michaels been on here before you. And so we're kind of speaking yeah. to those people. So I'm looking for lessons to share with people that like for me, I'm on my 10th business iteration. Um, I had a detective agency before this bail bond agency before this and a plethora of other things. Some worked great. Some didn't. What would be some of the things that you're sharing for people that are looking to get into that or are already have begun the struggle. Yes. What are the key things that you would share oh, with them? So that's an audience of people I'm very passionate about working with people who are in major transitions in life, especially the ones that are looking to jump into entrepreneurship. And one of the biggest messages I have for that audience is, you know, stop waiting for the perfect time. Like you just, you can't wait for the perfect moment to make that leap. Um, at some point, you got to realize that you're not going to have it all together. It's not going to be perfect. Uh, and you're going to have to take some kind of leap of faith and, and really just start get, immersing yourself into the work. One of the things I've noticed people doing is, is that I'll see people jump out of the boat, you know, into this new venture and they start swimming towards their new purpose, this new entrepreneurship, you know, opportunity. And they're getting frustrated because they're not going anywhere. And what's happening is they're still hanging onto the boat. You know, they're not willing to let go right. and fully immerse themselves into the experience. So if you're waiting for the perfect opportunity, you know, to start that next big thing in your life, you better get used to waiting because it's just not going to happen. So oh, that's, that, that's, that's, the, that's truth. the absolute truth. And if you don't make that choice, if you, if you keep waiting for that perfect opportunity, you can either make the choice yourself to go after it or life might make a choice for you. And you're just going to be fully immersed in it already. And, you know, honestly, that's what happened <laughs> to me. Life, 
I started making choices of getting into this coaching industry and I kind of had this plan of how I wanted to do it. But honestly, man, you know, obviously God had a different plan for me and said, my timeline was a little too long and said, I wanted you to do this a lot sooner. And, you know, I didn't have that safety net of money in my bank account, you know, and I was still raising, I was raising an infant son in a brand new house in a nice neighborhood, you know, and, uh, you know, my wife had been out of work for quite a while. And then I got sick and had to leave a very high paying job. And there I was broke, family, disabled, you know, all this stuff in a business that, you know, I was just starting to build. So life made choices for me. And I either could choose to give up uh, or I could choose to fight like hell and start. And so that's my other point for people who are going into the stages. You really don't understand how ridiculously creative and resourceful you are until you're in that position. Oh, yeah. Well, and I've, I've been there before to where I've put my back up against the wall. I mean, in different senses, I'm there again. And I realize that that's a manifestation of my own faults mm-hmm. sometimes. So <laughs> it's definitely one of those things that I guess I was lucky with some of my past ventures that some of those that when I launched them, I was able to cash flow them within yeah. a couple of months where this time, you know, I've, I've been definitely chasing after bigger game and, I think I saw you mention something, are we fishing yeah. or are we hunting on a recent post um, to where it, it's frustrating, but, you know, that forces me to study more, learn more, you know, to get into different realms of marketing and advertising and also really making me just push like crazy on the sales yeah, side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the biggest thing is finding that balance too between the educating yourself and then also getting in there and doing the work. Because I see some people who go the other extreme and they focus so much on educating themselves that they never actually take any time to get out there and start generating leads and doing the work and growing the business. They just mm-hmm. keep educating. Educating is great. You want to be a forever learner. But at some point, you got to be willing to be a little messy and get out there and start creating business for yourself. Uh, that's really the only way you're actually going to create any action or results in your life. So I'm with you there. Yeah, that's the, that's the truth. Um, that's something that I've touched on with people in the past when they've come on the podcast is that you're, you're better off putting out your half baked or three quarter baked Mm -hmm. ideas and them on the market to see if you get a response rather than waiting for perfection, because I did get stuck in paralysis, analysis, paralysis, and man, I burned so oh, much absolutely. time. Yeah, it's probably, you know, uh, a third of my practice is working with other coaches. And that's one thing they don't teach you in coaching school. They, they help you teach to be a great coach, but they don't teach you how to build the business. And that's what I love helping them with. And, and, and one of the biggest things I always tell them is start coaching. Just start coaching. You know, <laughs> stop worrying about your niche and your business cards and your website. Get out there and start finding clients, you know. Start flexing the muscle, and and, uh, and you're right. Done is better than perfect. Oh, that's the truth. Um, so there's a a conversation I want to start, but I'm going to save that one for the next segment because it it goes right to home with me. Um, 
to preload that in your mind, we, I was listening to you on the unlearn talking about your, uh, Adderall and hmm. Red Bull moment. And like I said, that that's something that resonates real close with me because when I turned 40, I had an episode yeah. like that too. So the, the key things that you've discovered, you know, that's kind of what I want to flesh out here of your transition from when you were just balls to the wall living for other people's expectations and the changeover to living for yourself, I think is really the direction I'd like to go Please. with this yeah, today. Absolutely. So I'm going to throw a quick break in here and just hit that invite again. And we'll be right back in about you got two it. minutes. Yep. All right. Thank you. Welcome back, Mr. Matt Gannion. Yes, thank you. So, to give people context, I want to a little bit, and I know that it's still a rough subject for you, about when you turned 30 and you were telling the story earlier not on our podcast, but that I heard the story earlier about the Adderall bottle in one hand and a Red Bull in the other. Let's go into that a little bit to give people context of where you were and where you're coming from. And that way they can better appreciate where you are today. Mm. Yeah. So that was about uh, seven years ago. Uh, I was 30 years old and I was living a lifestyle that was, yeah, full on, just using the expression balls to the wall, <laughs> you know, going 100 million miles an hour, uh, because I was being rewarded for that lifestyle, too. I was being rewarded for it. I was being praised for my high energy, praised for just constantly grinding away, you know, and I was being rewarded financially, too, being promoted, you know, uh, you know, given more responsibilities. So my performance really determined my value in life. Uh, I didn't have anything else pouring into my life at that time, really, that was giving me value that I thought of. You know, I was just really feeding off of all that external um, reward from my performance at work. And so, yeah, I was, uh, I didn't realize that I was already starting to get sick in my 20s. Like, I didn't realize mm -hmm. that my energy levels was going away. But I did realize that I started needing more Red Bull and more caffeine. Uh, and so I started consuming up to 15 cans of Red Bull a day, uh, sugar-free Red Bull a day. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, I look back I, at that. I'm like, I, holy smokes, man. That's a lot. Well, I say that because uh, the Red Bull team dropped six cases of Red Bull on me oh, one time. Yes. And I was sitting there and working at the computer one night, just cracking into another can and, you know, grab another can and. Yeah, I, I consumed so much that I actually gave myself uh, heart palpitations. Hey, congratulations. I just have those all the time. I just call that living. Uh, so that's just a normal day, you know? Right? So, uh, yeah, no, and I remember that feeling too, how easy it was, you know, just to start throwing those things back to just keep myself going and going and going. And I was just, you know, 
furthering along just the damage that was already going on in my body uh, by depriving it of sleep and just fueling it with garbage. So there was that, and I was fueling myself with that stuff to, to honestly keep up this mask I had of, you know, working nonstop and looking like I had it all together. And on top of that, you know, I had ADHD and was given Adderall in my 20s because uh, I was diagnosed later in life. And mm-hmm. uh, I used that amphetamine also to keep me fired up as well, too. Uh, you know, cause honestly, I probably didn't really have ADHD when I look back at it, like, cause the Adderall actually got me pretty wired up. Uh, and I, and I think if you truly have ADHD, it shouldn't, <laughs> but it helped me, it gave me super focus. And I was like, this feels great. So yeah, all this Adderall, all this Red Bull, go, go, go. And by the time I reached the age of 30, I mean, I had several nervous breakdowns. Like I was just starting to melt down. I mean, I'd have days at work where I would lock myself in the office and just crawl up into a ball and start crying. You know, I felt trapped. I mean, just sobbing like a child, you know, and, uh, and I, I would hide that from people. You wouldn't know it. Like I'd have a suit on, I'd have it all together. As soon as that door closed, just a disaster, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'd go home. Like when I, those few moments I'd be home, you know, I traveled up to 25 nights a month, you know, I'd be home and I'd just be in tears you know, I was living a life, you know, I, I was being burned out by some, some people in my life, but I was living a life that did not align with my values. I do not, I'm not proud of the person I was then, you know, at all. I was so lost. I was so material. I was just so full of crap at that time period in life and arrogant. I, I, it's not something I'm proud of, but I got to this point, you know, where I was in a hotel room and I just felt completely lost and unlovable. I just couldn't recognize the person in the mirror anymore. And it was like, man, you know, I have people who think, believe I have it all together. The people that were really close to me and my family and stuff, they could see that I was full of crap. You know, I couldn't fool them, but I just felt like if they could really see how messed up I was underneath, you know, uh, that I, I wasn't able to maintain my mask anymore. This, this show that I was putting on and I just felt like, well, what value do I have in this world? You know, I, I felt like I was just being a burden to everybody else. And so what's the point of me being here? I have no purpose. I can, I, I can a hundred, one hundred percent relate to that. I went through a period of time like that right when I hit age 40 mm-hmm. to where I was running. I was doing the bail bonds, doing the detective agency, had all these self-imposed expectations put upon me on top of everything else that, you know, uh, I had a couple of employees, obviously I need to keep them fed. I have family, I have all this other stuff. And I, I hit that same wall. I'm right there with you, man. I've been there. Yeah. And Oh my God, is that the scariest fucking thing in the world? Yep. Excuse me. No, mind. man. It's well, well said, but, but you know, it, when you, find out that everything that you're doing that you thought aligned with you is actually completely opposite of what you're trying in your life. It's a incredibly sobering moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredibly sobering and it was also incredibly depressing, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and it really, it just, I was so angry in life too, just about feeling hurt and, and taken advantage of and, 
you know, then recognizing the, just the monster that I was becoming myself, I, I just, I just felt so lost and disconnected. I was like, how the hell did I even get to this place? So yeah, you know what? It was just in that moment where I was just like, let's, let's polish off the Adderall and let's, you know, down a few Red Bulls. And that was my, you know, my attempt, you know, at, mm. at ending it all. I, I just thought, Hey, maybe, maybe my heart will just explode, you know? Uh, and so that's, that's the way I felt. And, you know, as the time has passed, my body started feeling really jacked up. Um, you know, that's when I started hearing the music playing on my, uh, my iPod at the time in the background. And honestly, music's always had a powerful connection with me and just hearing that song, you know, hallelujah playing, it was the Jeff Buckley version of it that I've shared mm -hmm. with people. It just, man, there was something about it that just lit my heart on fire again. You know, like as I'm in the bathroom of my hotel room and I'm just like feeling terrible, you know, I can hear the lyrics of the song so clearly, you know, it just moved me to my core. And that's why to this day, that song has been so powerful. I mean, it was literally like probably halfway through the first verse and it was just something about it, you know, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth. A minor fall and the major left. The baffled king composing hallelujah. And it just like hit mm -hmm. me, you know, and I wanted yep. to live. So I purged everything I could out of my body and kind of passed out and woke up the next day and carried on, <laughs> you know. And it took, it took probably another month for me to really hit a bottom. And then I, I just kind of said it's time to call it quits with this lifestyle mm -hmm. yeah i remember i mean I, I i hit that same point also it wasn't as a quick succession for me to have the realization that i was on a bad path so after my point of that it took me another year yeah yeah i'd say year is a solid number for that to where I just got to the point where I'm like, I need help. Yeah, I'm done. I'm powerless. And right. And gave myself up over to some other people. And, you know, that's a chapter of life that most people don't realize happens. Yeah. And it was something to where when I had that meltdown and breakdown happen, I, I now look at it as probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, yeah. even though at the time it was the worst thing that happened to me. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I, I can completely identify with that. So now when, when you got to that point and you had that happen, where did you, where, what portion of your inner being or, of even an outside resource, what did you reach to, to be able to help start rebuilding your life? Because I don't think people that haven't been through that realize yeah. when you hit that point, you're at zero. Yep. You're completely rebuilding from zero. You got that right. And it was. And so, you know what? The first thing I did was, is that um, I surrendered, you know, to, to my faith, uh, to the lifestyle I was living I just had to first get to that point where I was just like, I, I can't do this. I give up, you know, mm -hmm. please somebody show me a different way. Uh, the second step was, 
I found a, a great therapist and counselor, you know, um, that specialized in, in men's work, you know, and I shopped around, you know, I found, you know, a few different ones and I found one that really aligned with me, um, who instantly called me out on my bullshit. And I was like, I like this guy, even though I don't like what he's calling out. He's, he's not gonna, <laughs> he's, he's, he's smarter than I am about myself. So, um, I started going, you know, I was going, uh, twice a week to counseling in the beginning. Uh, and then I also started going to some group work, some group therapy, some, some 12 step stuff. And you know mm -hmm. what? I, I couldn't wait to get there. Like, as soon as I got to one of those meetings, I was like, took a deep breath and I was like, you know, and I was like, mm. I noticed some people seem miserable to be there. I was just like, man, I found some people that I could relate to. And yeah, just, just turn it, turn it on, oh, give it to me. I want to hear yeah. it. And you know, what was great was, is that these were just normal people. You know, they were, they were regular people that were just hurting in life, you know, and it just opened my eyes so much, you know, to that, man, you know, everyone's living these lives and they just feel so alone in their world. And I don't want anyone to feel that way, you know, so it, I just embraced it head on, fully embraced the whole experience and started just a, a boot camp of self-discovery. Mm -hmm. I remember... I was sitting in a group session and, you know, these people, everybody is going through and labeling their complaints. Yep. And I'm, I'm trying not to be a dick here and I wasn't <laughs> being a dick. But it, I listened to them and then it was my turn. And I, I was like, so to give everybody context, just a couple months ago, I was riding around on private aircraft all over the United States. Right. I was driving somebody's million dollar RV, living on a multi-million dollar property with 20 some quarter horses on the property. And today I'm here. Yep. And they're all looking at me. They're like, wow, really? And it's just like, hey, just context for all of you. You can be way up here. And then all of a sudden you can be way down here. That's life. You know, and, and, that, that kind of thing happened to me, except there was somebody else that kind of put it in the context for me. And the person I was sitting next to, this guy was going to prison, you know, soon, mm -hmm. you know, he was, <laughs> he was still doing the work though. Um, but he knew he was probably going to be going to prison soon. And it just made me look at this guy and be like, you know what, this is a razor thin line between him and I, a razor mm -hmm. thin line, a few more bad decisions, a few you know, more years down the road, I could be in that same situation. I was like, I don't want that at all. This is a wake up call. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I started doing after I got into the counseling and started getting everything rebuilt in my life was helping with different outreach groups. So I, I've helped with, you know, inner city kids yep. and AA groups. And it's really man, my appreciation for them has so changed, yeah. you know, where some of their instructors bring them in. They think that those kids are getting most from me. No, on the other end, I, I'm getting so much energy off of them yeah. by being there to be able to be helpful. That's right. Yeah. You know, that's, um, that was something that reconnected me with my values is that there was a chapter in, earlier in my life where I loved volunteering. You know, I loved being a part of my community. I loved giving back. And I got really disconnected from that. So you're right. So even getting back into this allowed me to start doing some of the things that were important to me in my life again. 
Um, but still, like, I thought that was the most challenging experience in my life. What I didn't know was is that that was actually just going to be training to help me thrive <laughs> through the next big thing, you know, over the past three years. And honestly, now I'm just like, wow, I'm so thankful I went through that time period because now I'm built and equipped to really take on, you know, building a business, being sick, you know, like my heart and empathy for just what people go through under the surface is just so different now. Like I, I just, I have a big heart for what people are going through underneath the surface. Now you just never know what someone else is going through. And I do my best to have that empathy for people because, you know, I've learned over the years with some of the stuff I've had to deal with, I've learned how to ask for help. I've learned, you know, <laughs> I've learned how to let go of toxic relationships and I've had to learn how to surround myself with people who align with my values. I've learned the value of a strong inner circle, of having a strong inner circle of men in my life, too. You know, uh, so it's been a wild journey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just thought of where I want to go with the next segment. And I'll prelude it with this is that once you've done that in your life, you've had some of those massive struggles drop on you and you also research and learn about other people that are out there, you start to really understand that there's nobody, uh, maybe, okay, I can't use the hyperbole, but almost everybody who's up at the top tier, whether you're looking at Damon James or Damon John and a bunch of the other people that the whole planet sees as making it that they all went through shit yeah, to be able to get right. there. And that that's, that's what I think really helped them learn how to strive because without that, they wouldn't have that knowledge of, man, I know where I came from. Yeah. That's why I keep grinding. Oh yeah. I mean, that's why guys like Marcus Aurelius Anderson is a total inspiration and uh, has become a brother to me in life because he gets that gift of adversity you know, and, uh, and again, I completely value it. It's, it's this understanding, you know, hearing stories like his, hearing stories like so many other people is what gave me the belief in starting my coaching practice around life story coaching. It's just this belief that everybody has a powerful story. Um, but the problem is just so many people have never had the chance to tell their story and understand how powerful it is or they've minimized it and compared it to somebody else's. But yeah, everybody has something powerful in their life that they've been through. Um, and it's just whether or not they choose to own it that makes the difference. That's the truth. So, Matt, I'm going to throw a quick break in here. We'll be back again in two minutes, and we'll pick up from there. You got let's, it. Let's start shining more sunshine on this conversation. All right. Let's lighten it up. You got it. Beautiful. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Mr. Matt Gagnon, to the Raven Rising podcast. So now that you've been in this for a while, and now that you're a certified life coach, and you've also done research and seen more about the fact that there's so many people up there at that upper tier, whether you want to call them the 1% or whatever the labeling is for people. Mm -hmm that you've discovered that they too have gone through massive amounts of struggle. How yes. did that change your appreciation for life? How did that change your vision? 
you know, it more validated a purpose in life of serving others. Um, and just understanding that one, it gave me a lot more empathy, uh, for people. Um, and, and two, it, it, it just really fueled this purpose. All right. I, uh, so apologize for the app crashing on us there. No problem. So we had just started talking about how you had found new empathy and appreciation now that you understand that a lot of people go through hardships and struggles to be able to get to where they're going. And you were starting to line that out for me. Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I'd say it did for me though, is it it validated a a life purpose of mine to serve others um, and to help that group of people. Um, It was great knowing that I'm. (laughs) I I so appreciate your patience. I, so uh, it's that LinkedIn nearby me application that they added into the program. Oh, yeah. So every time the Bluetooth was kicking on, it was kicking off this app. So Gotcha. Shut it down. Bad, bad LinkedIn. Bad. bad. LinkedIn. <laughs> and their new features. <laughs> right? Okay. For the third time. <laughs> yes, let's do it. I'm ready. All right. So we're talking about appreciation, empathy, and experience. Yeah. So my biggest thing with this audience of people is after going through this experience myself, it really validated my life purpose of wanting to serve others and making sure that no one in this world felt alone with how they felt, you know, and to really help people find purpose. My adversity helped me discover my purpose. And the group of people I've really enjoyed working with are those professionals that have had years of demonstrated like, you know, success and delivered great results in their career. But now they're waking up and they're asking questions about why am I doing this? You know, I don't get the point anymore. There's no more fun or enjoyment in this, you know, and they're starting to really look at what kind of legacy they want to leave behind and, and pursuing something that aligns with their values. So it's an audience of people that I just feel so driven, you know, to speak with. And along with just other people who are starting to ask those questions. The purpose is, is that, You know, there are a lot of people who are doing jobs or, you know, doing careers that don't align with their values and aren't really even leveraging their true gifts in life, you know, and it's depressing for them. Uh, And I want to help people own those things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that what we're really finding is the whole modern aspect of that we now have different tools because of the internet and Mm -hmm. just access to information to where 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, that when you went into a career, that was your career. It was unheard (laughs) of for you to even think of coming out of that. Oh yeah. I mean, it wasn't really acceptable to have a gap in your career up until the crash of like 2009. When people started right. losing their jobs, you know, before that, man, if you saw someone who had a year gap in their career or even a few months, it's like, hey, what, what happened here, buddy? You know, uh, so, yeah, things, the game's completely changed. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it, it finally needed to because I remember, mm-hmm. like, I'd, I'd have people looking over my resume and they're like, why do you have a gap here? I'm just like, um, I went to Europe. Yeah. Well, why'd you do that? Uh because I don't know what else in my life I'm going to get to Europe. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and honestly, that's part of one of the things, you know, on, on LinkedIn that I found really fun to start articulating is talking about values and, and being a little vulnerable on there and talking about Mm -hmm. some of the things that are really important to you, because you know what, if you're looking for a great company to work for, the best companies out there want to hire people for culture, not just your results. You know, they want to Mm -hmm. hire somebody that aligns with their company culture. And that's why I really encourage people to own their stories and share what they stand for, value and believe in, believe in and how they've delivered results in their career because of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a crucial thing. Oh yeah. Excuse me. Company culture is so massive because when you find yourself tied into a company where the culture just doesn't play well, that you, especially now at my age and also you at your age that you've been through it a couple of times, you realize that the reason why you're coming home empty even though you might have had a killer day at work is because your boss is a dick to you yeah exactly or or the culture of your coworkers is not healthy yeah. and there's still so many places that are still like white knuckling onto that 1950s structure of a business yeah and they don't realize how broken that is because you know just mental health professionals and you know, people like Claude Silver over at Vayner Media. you know, that they have disproven all those old ways of doing business because it's not healthy for the employees. Right. And you know what? The, the number one thing I tell people is, is this, is that if you have to show up to work as somebody different than you show up at home or in your life, your personal life, you got a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have to show up as somebody different at work than you do at home, you're going to have a problem in life because eventually one of those identity is going to get lost after a while, you know? So you got to go to a place that aligns with your values, you know, or else you're going to start losing sight of who you really are. Yeah. I, I did a short stint of car sales, mm-hmm. which is very abnormal compared to everything else that I've done. <laughs> um, well, you know, after being a bounty hunter for 18 yeah, years, exactly. car sales, very different. But I really had issues with a couple of my managers because I knew flat out that they were not telling the truth to the customer about certain aspects. And it's like, I don't want to be part of this anymore. So when it came a time for me to just hit the ejector seat, I didn't even think twice about it. I didn't even pack up my stuff when I left. It's like, Hey guys, so I'm going to go teach kids for the summer. See ya. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I went through that phase too, as I was transitioning out of my corporate career and building my own business and also being on disability at the time, I was like, you know what, this is a time in life where I have a chance to just do things that I've always wanted to do that are filling my tanks and are healthy for me. I mean, I had a dream of always wanting to work in a record store, you know, so I went to the local record store and the guy hired me for a day to help him out with a project. And I got to talk music all day and be around, you know, vinyl <laughs> records. I was like, this is great. You know, I got paid peanuts, but you know, it filled my tanks up and gave me all this extra creativity, you know, but uh, you know, what- I, I do have to point out that if I saw what I thought I saw in one of your videos, 
you have like one of the most spectacular vinyl collections on the planet. Oh, you get me going, man. There's there's probably at least a thousand <laughs> records there, and they're all from 1965 to 1975, and they're originals. So I, I yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a nut for that stuff. Again, it's about storytelling. Music back then told a great story, and so did the albums. So another another conversation. <laughs> so. Now, let's focus this back a little bit or just kind of realign. For people that are, let's say, a 20-something that's trying to jump into the entrepreneur world or that they're dealing with early corporatism, what would you be telling them now in hindsight of, of a message of hope or uh, just a message of clarity and sanity if you're going to share that with them? Yeah. You know, first thing I would tell you is um, don't do it alone. You know, uh, the first thing I did when I jumped into entrepreneurship was I hired a coach. And I, and I don't say that just because I am one, but like, that's what I did, you know. Uh, and I hired a coach because I couldn't see my own blind spots. And I learned that from earlier in life, too, when I was making mistakes. So I hired someone to help me see my blind spots and help educate me along the way and also bring out some of the best in me, too. So that's one of the things is find, find a way to get some support outside of just books and webinars because books and webinars can't openly challenge you. They can't call you out on your bullshit, you know, right. working with a coach will, that's for sure. Um, that, that's, that's for damn sure. And it will also help you blow up your limiting beliefs. The second thing is you got to, you got to figure out what's your motivation, what's your why. I'm really big on that. You got to know your values and you got to understand why are you building this business? That's the only oh, way yeah. you're going to be successful in it is you got to understand. You got to understand why are you going to be grinding away and putting all these extra hours into this thing, you know, to do this. And the third thing on it is you got to learn how to create some boundaries too. You got to understand oh. that, you know, yeah. one, your, your, your initial return on investment isn't always going to be financial. It might be in wisdom and experience and you need to be willing <laughs> to be paid in wisdom and experience sometimes, you know, when the paychecks aren't coming in. And you got to be willing to fail. If you're willing to fail, you're willing to succeed. You know, so, and you got to make sure too, with the boundaries piece, that you're also doing things in your life that are not just work. Yes, you got to grind away, you know, but you also got to take care of yourself. <laughs> you got to sleep. You got to eat right. You got to make time for fitness and nutrition. You know, you got to make time for, you know, stillness or prayer time, whatever it is, time with friends. It seems counterproductive when you're trying to build a business, but I guarantee you, if you make a little bit of time for the things that fill your tanks, you're going to be so much more productive in your work. I guarantee I it. think, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I ran into that even here in just the last six months was I had mixed message coming in from people that I was listening to. And one school was grind, 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 grind. Yep. You know, if you're, if you're awake, you have to be grinding. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you're not going to get there. And then you have the other school. It's like, hey, man, build the lifestyle that you want. And that's Peter Voogd on the yeah. build the lifestyle side. And to his credit, it, I see that that was my fault that I was ignoring him and Austin's message there. But I, I so thought that, it, like, if I just do this for, you know, 18 hours a day, 20 hours a day, that I'm going to be able to get to that traction point of launch that much faster 
And the truth of the matter was I created my life into being almost a living hell. It's like, mm-hmm. why am I even doing this anymore? I'm not yeah. having fun anymore. So I had to do a big, you know, 360 revamp on a couple of things there and realize that some of the people that are pushing their message out there, they're only getting paid to say what they say and they're not actually doing anything of what they're telling you to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I, uh, when I hear you got to give up sleep in order to achieve your dreams, I'm like, ah, no, man, I lived that life and it almost killed me. You know, actually Mm -hmm. you need sleep more than you need food and water. Like you got to have it. I mean, you ever tried thinking when you're completely dead tired? I mean, there's granted, there's some, there's some times when you need to grind away and push extra hard, but you know, overall, man, a healthy lifestyle is going to go a long ways. And that was a big wake up call for me because literally, you know, when it was five years ago, almost to the day, my son was born. And when my son was born, it was not an easy birth. I mean, I thought I was going to lose my wife and I thought I was going to lose him. And, you know, my dad was there with me. Thank goodness. You know, I had a support system, but that was rough. And when I finally saw my kid, man, that was a wake up call that I need to change my life because I want to be a part of his life. I was tired of traveling 25 nights a month and also just realizing that it could all be gone tomorrow. And that that was further, you know, validated a month later when my dad just died instantly of a heart attack. You know, he was my one of my best friends in the whole world, you know, and he got to be a grandfather for a very, very short period of time, a dream of his, you know, and all gone. So it was like, you know what? I need to make changes in my life. And today, again, it's, it's validated the whole struggle that I've gone through with building a business and overcoming illness also validated today. As I look through as my office doors were open and I can hear my son, you know, in the living room with my wife, and I heard him read for the very first time in his life. Beautiful. I heard Beautiful. him read. I would have missed out on that if I would just yep. be pushing for that salary, grinding my ass away in a corporate job, you know, for what? Uh, maybe a 3% increase at the end of the year because I performed well? Bullshit. Oh. I'm not going to miss out on my kid's <laughs> life for a 3% raise and a pat on the back, you know? Uh, yeah, that reminds me of a place that I used to work for. They're like... Well, you'd better do good because we'll give you another quarter at the end of the year. <laughs> like, wait, 25 cents? 25 cents an hour. Are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, if you don't understand that I'm giving you something here, it has nothing to do with your 25 cents. Yeah. <laughs> Not doing it. Now, as an entrepreneur, I have unlimited potential for success, and I also have unlimited potential for failure. But it's worth that stress. I love it, you know, because I get to have moments like that you know, where I get to witness my kid doing amazing things and I get to experience life now versus just wishing I was experiencing it. Yeah, I, man, I screwed up for a while. And anytime I mentor people, I usually give them the heads up that most stories will start with, let me tell you how I screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had taken a job because it fit well with what my past experiences were and everything else. And I was a godsend for the company, but my workday started at 5 PM and got done, you know, late into the middle of the night. So there was a year and a half of my life to where most of the time when I saw my wife was when I was driving to work 
and she was driving home from work and we passed each other on the road and yeah. we waved. Yeah, the high five. Yeah, it's like, there you are. Oh, yeah. bye. And you know what, man? Like, I definitely say, you know, I used to say I screwed up too. And the reframe I offer you on that is like, you know, you got to give yourself some grace too because you didn't know you were screwing up at that time. You only knew what you knew. And honestly, that time in life also shaped you to be able to appreciate and value the experiences you're having now. Cause I could easily say, man, I wish I had started this coaching business, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Truth is I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been ready. You right. Know, I wouldn't, exactly. I wouldn't have gotten what I was supposed to get out of it. Um, everything, every experience you've had in life is not, is definitely is never wasted. You know, we were supposed to have these things for some reason or another. And we're making the best out of it now. Oh, that's the truth. Well, and, and I look back, you know, to when I was still a professional full-time bounty hunter that at that time, you know, I still thought that being a Royal dick to everybody was the way to live. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you talk about circle of influence, I was surrounded by mostly criminals at that time. Yeah. And if you weren't a criminal, well, then you're either a judge, a bailiff, a sheriff's deputy, police officer, or another bail bondsman. And we, you know, talk about a headspace that just doesn't get healthy after a while. I feel sorry for those guys in my old industry. I really do. And I really feel sorry for the law enforcement because, you know, they get into that gallows humor to try to make fun of the depression that's going on there. But man, the PTSD and depression is just rampant in law enforcement. I really, they they should almost give you like a year on year off or something over there because that's a hard, hard life. (laughs) Bro. I got to tell you though, you're really, you're really challenging one of my core beliefs on, not comparing your story to somebody else's. But every time you say I was a professional bounty hunter, it's like, that sounds so fucking cool. <laughs> like, I, worked, I worked in retail fashion. You know, like, I just sold shirts and shoes. You know, and I'm like, that sounds so cool. But uh, yeah, no, that's, I just have to say, that's even pushing my buttons a little bit. I'm like, that's pretty badass. I know it's, you know, he had his own journey with it, but that's pretty cool. Well, let's throw a quick break in here. We'll come right back and uh, we can flesh that out for for you a little bit more so that you uh, have understanding of what that world really looked like. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that in the next segment. You got it. All right. Back with Mr. Matt Gannon on the Raven Rising podcast. So, professional bounty hunting or as i referred to myself back then as a bail enforcement agent um (laughs) it was something i fell into as a career by accident when i was 22 and you know how do i describe this properly um i had just gotten back from skiing for the entire winter 138 days at a big sky ski resort working for an old pizza shop called levinsky's pizza which i think is now called mountaintop pizza and i was looking for something to do for work so i ended up down at the bail bond office i didn't even know what bail bonds were it was a pawn shop as far as i knew and i went in there and the owner of the pawn shop 
was one of my Sunday school teacher's husbands. Hmm. And I knew he owned a bunch of property around town. I went in there looking to mow lawns. Right. So <laughs> I come into their office. I'm like, hey, man. So, or actually, it's a woman. Her name was Giovanna. Um, and I was like, so I, I'd like to mow lawns for you for the summer. And she just looks at me like, who are you? Where did you come from? <laughs> and, you know, that didn't go over really well. And I just happened to be glancing around the office. Thank God for my ADD. And I look up on the wall and they have a wanted poster there of this kid named Mario. And I'm like, hey, I know him. Wow. And the lady, lady behind the desk is like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, I just saw him a couple of days ago. And the poster says, you know, wanted $30,000 reward. At that point, she jumps on the inner office phone, calls the bail bondsman, Mr. Bob Young. You got to want a bail bonds, Bob. <laughs> and he comes walking up with this young man who had a cowboy hat on. And they start grilling me with questions about where did you see him at? When did you see him? Who was he with? And I'm just like, okay, yeah, I answer your questions. And they're like, so this is my bounty hunter. I'm like, oh, bullshit. You know, because I had no clue at that point of bail bonds at all. Right. You know, I was 22. And anyone that's 22 that thinks they know how the world works, you don't. Yeah. Not to I, prove, I remember. But you don't. <laughs> and so at that point, he asked me to, you know, if I'd be willing to ride around with him and the bounty hunter and show him the different places that I knew where these guys hung out at. And I was like, right. yeah, sure. Let's do this. So we... I played GI Joe with their bounty hunter for a couple of weeks and we ended up catching this kid and I got pretty close to half of that $30,000 reward money nice. and I was hooked. If any way that you want to get me hooked at someone, something, yeah. throw a pile of money at me and just say, good job. kid." I was like, wait a second. I just got to go be a spook and creep all around and go hunt down somebody and you're paying me like this. I could do this all day. Oh, yeah. Keep it coming. Right. And so that's when I transitioned into bail enforcement and I started hunting after people. Now, the reason why I bring that up, though, is that, Matt, this is so relevant to entrepreneurship because when you're chasing after somebody, when you're going after someone who's on the run trying to hide from you, talk about sales, man. <laughs> You know how many cold calls I would have to make in a day and how yeah. many cold doors I'd have to knock on. And you're just looking for tidbits of information, tidbits of information. And you have to log all that down. So you're building a journal about somebody yeah. and you're building, you know, the equivalent of a business plan where you test, analyze, execute, test, analyze, execute. And I got to the point to where I was catching guys at a 90 plus percent capture rate. Whew. There's only like four guys in my history that I can think of off the top of my head that I did not catch. And two out of those were because the cops just happened to catch them first because I spooked them out of the house. And uh, they I got you they jumped in the car and were like driving a hundred down the street and squad <laughs> car saw them and pulled them over. 
So I remember explaining that to a judge one time. I'm like, hey, you know, that that arrest was because I spooked him out of the snake pit that he was in. Right. <laughs> Man. See, some good life skills. Oh, yeah. And then the other guy, he's still hiding out down in uh, Mexico City somewhere. He's on the FBI wanted list for, as a child pornographer and child rapist. And uh, he's got $100,000 on his head. Dude, you have Maybe. unfinished business. This is great. Let's team up. Let's go yeah. find this guy. Oh, <laughs> having, having lived in Mexico, I tell you, no, you've got to. No. <laughs> you don't want to go there. No. Whole different world once yeah. you across that border. He's in his own little hell right now. That's fine. Yeah. And, uh, but the point of it was that the, the challenge and chase of creating business and creating, you know, something new and especially having everybody in their dog tell you, you can't do this. How yeah. dare you? Why do you think you get away with this? You know, I'm used to that. I yeah. have almost 20 years of people telling me that's impossible. You're never going to catch them. You don't know what you're doing. How dare you? And I even had, in one case, a sheriff call me up and tell me to get out of his county or he'd arrest me. Well, the guy we were looking for was his cousin. And they were good. Uh, so, oh, well, you know, we just had beautiful fun with that. We still went and snatched the guy. And then I called him once I left the county saying, Hey, you, you remember how you told me not to come back to your county? Yeah. 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 Well, your cousin's sitting in my passenger seat in handcuffs. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. I love it, man. But that's a great point, though, about like, you know, that's the other thing I tell people who are going on this journey into entrepreneurship, too, is that you better get used to people calling you crazy. As a matter of fact, I believe that once people start calling you crazy is when you're starting to find your way. You know, that's when you're on to something. Because, I mean, seriously, have you ever seen anyone who's been a game changer in this world that's created an amazing business that wasn't told that they were absolutely out of their mind? You know, and so you kind of have to get used to some people that are just not going to support your dream and they're not going to get it. And they're going to be sometimes family members and sometimes friends. And you got to learn to let that go and surround yourself with people who are going to align with what you're doing. I had so many people turn their backs on me when I entered into that career. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to hide the fact that I was a ne'er do well. I guess that's a very lawyerly way to say it. No, I was a straight up gang member when I was a teenager. So yeah. when I, when I became a bounty hunter, I became Johnny law as far as they were all concerned. And my relationship with, over 90% of the people I hung out with as a teenager was done. As soon as yeah. they found out about that, they'd never talk to me again. And some of them still are all mad at me about that. It's like, hey, I did a life. You've done a life. <laughs> exactly. I found a path, man. Yep. That's what it's about. Find a path, find your tribe. Yeah. It took over five years of that career and being damn good at it. And I'm not trying to beat my own drum. I've had other yeah. people tell me that to where I finally had my family acknowledge that I was good at it. At least five years before they finally were like, oh, well, yeah, he's really good at this. <laughs> it's like, you people suck. Where were you for the <laughs> first five years? I could have used that motivation. Yeah. 
You know what, though? The, the biggest lesson I, I learned in, in the journey, though, is that the people who doubted or thought I was crazy, thought I was selfish, um, even the ones that questioned whether or not I was really sick because every, my, my illnesses were all invisible. Uh, oh, God. I looked, yeah. I, looked, I looked healthy on the outside. I still looked like an athlete. You know, mm-hmm. they just thought I was lazy and selfish and, oh, yeah, you, you get fatigued a lot. I get fatigued, too. I'm like, no, I get chronic. Like, I'm <laughs> like, I don't have hormones in my body. And they're like, whatever, you know, uh, but all of that stuff, you know, I'd started to learn that it wasn't personal against me. There was something about my situation that certain people couldn't be with because it triggered their own stuff, their own right. insecurities, so their own things, their own belief systems. And I had to learn that I can't control that. And there's no sense in me trying to prove myself to that audience of people either. So it was just about like, okay, I can choose to let this group of people go. And it sucks and it hurts because I cared about these people. Um, but they're bringing me down. And I'm not really doing them any justice by being a part of their life either. So, you know, you walk away. And yeah, eventually some people turn around and, and start to change and, and, and meet you where you're at. And others don't. You know, Brendan Bouchard has a, a portion of one of his chapters in his book, High Performance Habits, where he talks about how people that knew you, and I'm going to say knew because they don't know, that when you start growing into who you are, that they, for whatever reason, out of their own life, attach that you're becoming selfish, that you're becoming heady, you're yeah. not that cool. You know, I don't care if you've been on TEDx or you're doing something for Forbes. And that's more about them trying to justify their existence than it has to do anything with you. And you really need to know when to have that separation there. Otherwise, those bad influences in that circle of influence can just take you out at the knees. Yeah. Yeah. And it was... uh it was vital for me because, you know, my, my illnesses that I was working through, you know, starting three years ago really started to uh, impact my mental health and depression became pretty severe. And, uh, you know, I was very sensitive to the people I surrounded myself with. And it was just one of those points like, look, for my own survival, I need to <laughs> surround myself with positive, influential people who are going to lift me up. And so I, I really learned the, the value of having a strong inner circle around you that truly in life and in business, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Oh, that's the truth. That is 100% the truth. As they always say, you are the average of the five or six friends that you surround yourself with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and one of my best friends, you know, growing up told me, uh, you know, you're going to have friends and acquaintances in life that, you know, when you need to move into a new house or apartment, they'd be there for you. But your inner circle they'll help you move a body, you know? So I'm like, yeah, you know, no questions asked. They'll, they'll show up, you know, and uh, luckily I've never been in that situation, but that's the first thing I really seeked out when I went on medical leave, you know, uh, three years ago, as of April 10th of this year, um, mm-hmm. that was the first thing I did was seek a community. Cause I realized I didn't have any, I've been traveling so much my entire life. I lived in Austin for like 10 years and didn't know really anyone in this town um, this amazing city. And I, I had no real friends. You know, I just didn't have it. So I, I that was the first thing I jumped into, especially guy friends. I didn't have a lot of trust with guys. My dad was my really my only male friend. I had a couple others, too. 
that I was close with, but they didn't live nearby. So I started joining men's groups. I got involved with my church. I, I reached out to a whole group of people and just said, Hey, will you have coffee with me and share your story? That's it. That's all I want. <laughs> I don't want anything uh-huh. else from you. And I started building community and now I just can't get enough of it. You know, I'm involved in several men's groups. You know, I always create time, you know, to have um, good connection with real close friends, the kinds of friends that don't want to talk about sports, just sports and the weather. They want to talk about what's going on in your life. Well, and, they, and they call you out. Oh yeah. Well, you know, the quickest way for you ever to lose me in a conversation and uh, anyone who doesn't know this about me is that if you're just rolling with it and you tell me that a baseball team is playing a football team, <laughs> you know, unless it's actually a couple of teams that I actually know, I, I'll, I'll be like, Hey, that sounds really neat. That's how little I pay attention to sports. I, I yeah. actually had one of the members of the Viking football team come up to me one time when he was in his heyday, his name is Qu- Chris Walsh. Wow. And he came up, I was working as a bouncer back in my bounty hunter days and he, you know, saddles up next to me when I'm checking IDs at the door and I kind of look at him I'm like, what do you want? You know, and I'm doing my thing. I start small talking with him and he's just keeps looking at me like I should know who he is. <laughs> right. You know, I'm just like, whatever. Okay. <clears throat> and eventually he pulls up the sleeve on the shirt that he's wearing and he's got a Vikings tattoo on him. And I'm like, well, aren't you one of those stupid fucks? He's like, what? I'm like, you tattooed a team onto your arm. And then he's, that's when he, he broke it to me. He's like, I play for him. You know, thinking that that's going to like change my tune. I'm like, right. now, now that's even more retarded. And he looks at me. You're going to get traded. Like, yeah, exactly. That's what I said to him. I'm like, now you're going to get traded now that you put that on your arm. oh yeah you know yeah we're back sorry about that that just randomly dropped um no worries we do have to. Uh, I do have to come bring it to a wrap here soon. Okay. Well, the, let's dive into this then. Um, let's tell people where to find you online. Uh, you know where your website is, what your social media is. That way, we can get them hooked on to you. Absolutely. Sounds good. You let me know when. Go for it. All right. Perfect. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you want to contact me, uh, you know, you can. The best place to find me probably. The place that I love being the most is LinkedIn. Uh, that's the place where I have my biggest audience, and it's a platform that I just really love dearly. It's where I've built probably over 70% of my business. But you can look me up there uh, under my name, Matt Gagnon. It's spelled Gagnon, G-A-G-N-O-N. <laughs> um, you know, you're actually one of the few dudes that's pronounced it correctly, so I greatly appreciate you for that, man, uh, for saying my name right. Uh, but yes, LinkedIn, please connect with me there. I love connecting with a diverse audience of people. Feel free to shoot me a direct message uh, and reach out, especially, you know, if you're interested in, in learning more about coaching. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Life Story Coaching. Uh, I'm also under Life Story Coaching on Instagram as well, too, and Snapchat. So I, 
I cover all the social media, you know, uh, platforms, but LinkedIn is definitely my bread and butter and where I love meeting people the most. Uh, my website, lifestorycoaching.net is still under development, but it's something to look out for right now. Um, and, uh, please, you know, reach out to me anytime, Matt at lifestorycoaching.net. You can email me. I'm incredibly approachable and, uh, I love being able to, uh, introduce people to what coaching is like. And if you're curious about what coaching is, there's no other way, you know, to, uh, understand it than to experience it. You know, so I always offer people a, uh, you know, a free one hour session to actually understand what it is because it's an investment. And so I want to make sure people understand what it is and what kind of commitment they're getting into. Wow. I'm lucky. I'm, I'm getting this much time with you for free. No, man, this is two way street, bro. We're just telling stories. This is good stuff. Good stuff. Um, now I, curiosity, there's gotta be a book happening. Is there, is there a book like in the brain right now that just hasn't gotten transferred to paper yet? Did Marcus Aurelius Anderson put you up to this? Because I swear that's, you know, he's always challenging me on my book. <laughs> It's like you guys are in cahoots. Um, I actually, you know, you know I did, I did shoot him a text earlier today, but he didn't get back to me. So no, this is completely. All right, me this is up. coming right from. This is the man. The universe is talking because uh, <laughs> I was talking about it last night too. This is awesome. I I actually did co-author a book uh, two years ago called My Now the Future Man. It was a, a compilation of authors uh, that wrote about uh, the journey into manhood. Um, and that was, uh, I wrote a chapter about a father's legacy, about the relationship I had with my dad and passing that torch on to, you know, him, to me. And then, you know, being a father now to my son, but, um, the book that's in the works, you know, um, I've got, uh, two things in the works right now. One, just living with a courageous heart. That's uh, more personal testimony and, uh, kind of, a uh, you know, a book on what it's like to live a values-based life. Uh, and that one's in the works. I also have another one too. That's kind of on uh, my LinkedIn journey. It's my, my life in 1,300 characters or less, uh, which, <laughs> you know, which is basically a, a series of just short posts that I've done over the past several years um, that I've kept track of and they're just little bits of wisdom that are just bottom line stories that have a powerful message to them. And I think that's what I love about that platform. 1,300 characters tell your story, you know, so you got to be really <laughs> bottom line to it. And uh, it's something I'm very passionate about. So those things are in the works right now. And I'm really, really excited uh, to get those things out there. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so now do you have any speaking events coming up? Are you going to be doing that? Yeah, actually, boy, again, you and Marcus I'm telling you uh, on the same page. <laughs> so speaking is what I love to do the most. And so people who are looking for speaking engagements, I'm all on it because that's where I come alive. I do have one this Thursday. I'm going to be in the luxurious Midland, Texas, uh, talking at the LinkedIn local event. I'll be their keynote speaker there. And then I do have. Beautiful. Uh, that's awesome. So that, that's fun. I, I, I probably spoke at just about every uh, LinkedIn local event in Texas, except for uh, Dallas. I haven't been to that one yet. Uh, so Bert, but, are you going to convince the wife or one of your friends to like, you know, do a Facebook live for you and hold the phone in the front row the whole time, keeping an eye on you. You know what? I'm pretty lucky though. <laughs> they actually usually have somebody doing video and, and, and uh, pictures for these things. So uh, that's one of the great benefits of doing it. You you always get some good video and press afterwards, but I'll be doing that. And then I'll actually be uh, leading a retreat uh, in Turks and Caicos here in July about redefining success. So Beautiful. quite excited about that one too. 
Now, is that only for current coaching clients for you, or is that something that if somebody encounters this podcast that they want in on that they're able to do? Yeah, actually, that will be the case. And I'm going to have more details on that soon. We're still wrapping up everything on it, but it will be through another coaching friend of mine who's hosting the retreat, and I'll be doing the, uh, the work on it. Um, so that I'm excited about. For anyone else you know, who's interested, I do lead webinars on, uh, on creating powerful LinkedIn profiles. My next one's starting up here, April 26th. Uh, and so people who are over, ever interested in that, I do lead those, and they can just contact me directly for it. Awesome. Awesome. So I know that you're coming up on a deadline here because you've got something else coming up. Is there any parting shots that you want to throw out there for anybody? You know, my biggest thing is that, look, if you're, uh, if you're really starting to ask questions in your life about what your purpose is, what you truly value, and you're feeling kind of lost, uh, reach out, you know, reach out, partner with somebody, get a coach, get somebody in your corner, and start pursuing that because you can't wait for that perfect time. Just like I said earlier, if you're waiting for that perfect time, just get used to waiting. It's never going to happen. So start putting some action steps into place. Get someone in your corner and start pursuing, you know, a values-based life and just live with a courageous heart. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, Matt, I'm going to let you go because I know that you've got something else on your calendar right now. Thank you very much, so much for joining me today. Well, my pleasure, brother. Anytime. I'd, I'd love to chat another time. This was absolutely fantastic. We can definitely make that happen. All right. I'm going to let you go. Thank you very much again. You got it. Take care. Bye, Matt. All right, everybody, that was Matt Gagnon. I am so glad that he joined us here today on the Raven Rising podcast. He's a hell of a guy. There's so much more that he's going to be doing in the future. Definitely, definitely, definitely pay attention to him. There's a lot more coming from Matt Gagnon. Definitely a lot more. And if I say that one more time, you'll probably block my podcast. So, please share this podcast. You can get onto the Anchor app. You can send us messages directly into the program via text or via leaving a voice message for us. Then we can include you in the show if you have questions or comments. Heck, you can even call in and heckle me. I'll enjoy it. So once again, this was Stephen James Peterson with the Raven Rising Podcast. Find me on my social media. You can find me definitely at LinkedIn under Raven Rising. You can find me on Facebook under Raven Rising and Agave Sun International. Plus, you can find me on Instagram. And like I said before, if you find me on Tumblr, what are you really doing there? All right, everybody. Have a great day. And once again, thank you very much to Matt Gagnon. <laughs>